Today is May 23rd. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am blessed, enthused, and grateful to be here with you in this present moment as we engage in another daily experience of journeying through these sacred scriptures together. We are not only enriching our minds, but we're nourishing our souls and our spirits. And whether you're here for the first time or you've been here from the beginning, I welcome you in or welcome you back with open arms and an open heart. Now, today's reading includes the first section of Psalm 119. Two days ago, I believe it was, we read the shortest chapter in the Bible. Well, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it is a magnificent poem that celebrates the law of God and its benefits for those who follow it. Now, the psalmist also expresses a deep desire to know God more and to obey Him fully. Sounds like what we do here, right? What we express here, our desire to get intimate with God, to have a closer, deeper, stronger relationship with Him. So as we read this passage today, let's ask ourselves, what does it really mean to delight in God's law? Because we're going to see that here. How can we actually hide his word in our hearts? What does that look like? How do we actually live that out in practice? How can we seek him with all our souls? Like, what does that language mean for us in practical terms? We know that God is good and that he loves us. He cares about us. He is concerned about our well-being. But do we feel like this poem describes our relationship with him or would we characterize it differently? Have we even thought about the kind of relationship we want to have with God? Or are we simply going through the motions of religiosity and tradition? As Christ followers, we're called to have a personal relationship with God. This passage here in Psalm 119 is so powerful because it invites us into an honest examination of ourselves and our relationship with God. So it's like a a temperature check. How are we doing here? So with that said, let's find out. Let's get ready to feast, flow, and be filled. 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 12 through chapter 3 verse 39. New International Reader's Version. Abner, the son of Ner, left Mahanaim and went to Gibeon. The men of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went with him. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and David's men also went out. All of them met at the pool in Gibeon. One group sat down on one side of the pool. The other group sat on the other side. Then Abner said to Joab, Let's have some of the young men get up and fight. Let's tell them to fight hand to hand in front of us. All right, let them do it, Joab said. So the young men stood up and were counted off. There were twelve on the side of Benjamin and Saul's son Ishbosheth, and there were twelve on David's side. Each man grabbed one of his enemies by the head. Each one stuck his dagger into the other man's side. And all of them fell down together and died. So that place in Gibeon was named Helkath Hazirim. The fighting that day was very heavy. Abner and the Israelites lost the battle to David's men. The three sons of Zeruiah were there. Their names were Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Asahel was as quick on his feet as a wild antelope. He chased Abner. He didn't turn to the right or the left as he chased him. Abner looked behind him. He asked, Asahel, is that you? It is, he answered. Then Abner said to him, 
Turn to the right or the left. Fight one of the young men. Take his weapons away from him. But Asahel wouldn't stop chasing him. Again, Abner warned Asahel, Stop chasing me. If you don't, I'll strike you down. Then how could I look your brother Joab in the face? But Asahel refused to give up the chase. So Abner drove the dull end of his spear into Asahel's stomach. The spear came out through his back. He fell and died right there on the spot. Every man stopped when he came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died. But Joab and Abishai chased Abner. As the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Ammah. It was near Gaia on the way to the dry and empty land close to Gibeon. The men of Benjamin gathered in a group around Abner. They took their stand on top of a hill. Abner called out to Joab, Do you want our swords to keep on killing us off? Don't you know that all this fighting will end in bitter feelings? How long will it be before you order your men to stop chasing their fellow Israelites? Joab answered, It's a good thing you spoke up. If you hadn't, the men would have kept on chasing them until morning, and that's just as sure as God is alive. So Joab blew a trumpet. All the troops stopped. They didn't chase Israel anymore. They didn't fight anymore either. All that night, Abner and his men marched through the Arabah Valley. They went across the Jordan River. All morning long, they kept on going. Finally, they came to Mahanaim. Then Joab stopped chasing Abner. He gathered together the whole army. Besides Asahel, only 19 of David's men were missing. But David's men had killed 360 men from Benjamin who were with Abner. They got Asahel's body and buried it in his father's tomb at Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men marched all night. They arrived at Hebron at sunrise. The war between Saul's royal house and David's royal house lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, but the royal house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His first son was Amnon. Amnon's mother was Ahinoam from Jezreel. His second son was Kiliab. Kiliab's mother was Abigail. She was Nabal's widow from Carmel. The third son was Absalom. His mother was Makkah. She was the daughter of Talmai, the king of Geshur. The fourth son was Adonijah. His mother was Haggith. The fifth son was Shephatiah. His mother was Abital. The sixth son was Ithriam. His mother was David's wife, Eglah. Those sons were born to David in Hebron. Abner goes over to David's side. The fighting continued between David's royal house and Saul's royal house. Abner gained more and more power in the royal house of Saul. While Saul was still alive, he had a concubine named Rizpah. She was the daughter of Ayah. Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? Abner was very angry because of what Ishbosheth said. So Abner answered, Do you think I'm only a dog's head? Am I on Judah's side? To this day, I've been faithful to the royal house of your father, Saul. I've been faithful to his family and friends. I haven't handed you over to David, but now you claim that I've sinned with this woman? I will do for David what the Lord promised him. If I don't, may God punish me greatly. I'll take the kingdom away from Saul's royal house. I'll set up the throne of David's kingdom over Israel and Judah. He will rule from Dan all the way to Beersheba. Ishbosheth didn't dare to say another word to Abner. He was much too afraid of him. 
Then Abner sent messengers to David to speak for him. They said, Who will rule over this land? Make a covenant with me. Then I'll help you bring all the Israelites over to your side. Good, said David. I will make a covenant with you. But there's one thing I want you to do. Bring Saul's daughter Michal to me. Don't come to see me unless she's with you. Then David sent messengers to Saul's son Ishbosheth. He ordered them to say, Give me my wife Michal. She was promised to me. I paid for her the price that was demanded. I paid for her with the skins of 100 circumcised Philistines. So Ishbosheth gave the order. He sent men who took Michal away from her husband Paltiel. Paltiel was the son of Laish, but her husband followed her to Bahiram. He was crying all the way. Then Abner said to him, Go back home. So he did. Abner talked with the elders of Israel. He said, For some time you have wanted to make David your king. Now do it. The Lord made a promise to David. He said, I will rescue my people Israel from the power of the Philistines. I will also rescue them from all their enemies. I will rescue them through my servant David. Abner also spoke to the people of Benjamin in person. Then he went to Hebron to tell David everything. He told him what Israel and all the people of Benjamin wanted to do. Abner had 20 men with him. They came to David at Hebron. So David prepared a feast for Abner and his men. Then Abner said to David, Let me go right now. I'll gather together all the Israelites for you. After all, you are now my king and master. The people can make a covenant with you. Then you can rule over everyone you want to. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Joab murders Abner. Just then, David's men and Joab came back from attacking their enemies. They brought with them the large amount of goods they had taken. But Abner wasn't with David in Hebron anymore. That's because David had sent him away and he had gone in peace. Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived. Then he was told that Abner, the son of Ner, had come to see the king. He was told that the king had sent Abner away. He was also told that Abner had gone in peace. So Joab went to the king. He said, what have you done? Abner came to you. Why did you let him get away? Now he's gone. You know what Abner, the son of Ner, is like? He came to trick you. He wanted to watch your every move. He came to find out everything you are doing. Then Joab left David. He sent messengers to get Abner. They brought Abner back from the well of Sirah. But David didn't know about it. When Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him to one side. He brought him into an inside room. Joab acted as if he wanted to speak to him in private, but he really wanted to get even with him. That's because Abner had spilled the blood of Joab's brother Asahel. So Joab stabbed Abner in the stomach and he died. Later on, David heard about it. He said, I and the people of my kingdom aren't guilty of spilling the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. We are free of blame forever in the sight of the Lord. May Joab and his whole family line be held accountable for spilling Abner's blood. May Joab's family never be without someone who has an open sore or skin disease. May his family never be without someone who has to use a crutch to walk. May his family never be without someone who gets killed by a sword. And may his family never be without someone who doesn't have enough to eat. Joab and his brother Abishai murdered Abner. They did it because he had killed their brother Asahel in the battle at Gibeon. David spoke to Joab and all the people with him. He said, 
Tear your clothes. Put on the rough clothing people wear when they're sad. Mourn when you walk in front of Abner's body. King David himself walked behind it. Abner's body was buried in Hebron. The king wept out loud at Abner's tomb. So did the rest of the people. King David sang a song of sadness over Abner. He said, Should Abner have died as sinful people do? His hands were not tied. His feet were not chained. He died as if he had been killed by evil people. All the people mourned over Abner again. Then all of them came and begged David to eat something. They wanted him to eat while it was still day. But David made a promise. He said, I won't taste bread or anything else before the sun goes down. If I do, may God punish me greatly. All the people heard his promise and were pleased. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. So on that day, all the people there and all the Israelites understood. They knew that the king didn't have anything to do with the murder of Abner, the son of Ner. The king spoke to his men. He said, Don't you realize that a great commander has died in Israel today? I'm the anointed king, but today I'm weak. These sons of Zeruiah are too powerful for me. May the Lord pay back the one who killed Abner. May he pay him back for the evil thing he has done. John chapter 13 verses 1 through 30. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. It was time for him to go to the Father. Jesus loved his disciples who were in the world, so he now loved them to the very end. They were having their evening meal. The devil had already tempted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. He had urged Judas to hand Jesus over to his enemies. Jesus knew that the Father had put everything under his power. He also knew he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothes. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a large bowl. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet. He dried them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. Lord, Peter said to him, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you can't share life with me. Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet. Wash my hands and my head too. Jesus answered, People who have had a bath need to wash only their feet. The rest of their body is clean, and you are clean, but not all of you are. Jesus knew who was going to hand him over to his enemies. That was why he said not everyone was clean. When Jesus finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes. Then he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. You are right. That is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. So you also should wash one another's feet. I have given you an example. You should do as I have done for you. What I'm about to tell you is true. A slave is not more important than his master. And a messenger is not more important than the one who sent him. Now you know these things. So you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus tells what Judas will do. I am not talking about all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this will happen so that this passage of scripture will come true. 
It says, The one who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens. When it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. What I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who accepts someone I send accepts me, and anyone who accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus' spirit was troubled. He said, What I'm about to tell you is true. One of you is going to hand me over to my enemies. His disciples stared at one another. They had no idea which one of them he meant. The disciple Jesus loved was next to him at the table. Simon Peter motioned to that disciple. He said, ask Jesus which one he means. The disciple was leaning back against Jesus. He asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one I will give this piece of bread to. I will give it to him after I have dipped it in the dish. He dipped the piece of bread. Then he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, Do quickly what you are going to do. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Judas was in charge of the money. So some of the disciples thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast. Others thought Jesus was talking about giving something to poor people. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Psalm 119 verses 1 through 16. Aleph. Blessed are those who live without blame. They live in keeping with the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who obey His covenant laws. They trust in Him with all their hearts. They don't do anything wrong. They live as He wants them to live. You have given me rules that I must obey completely. I hope I will always stand firm in following your orders. Then I won't be put to shame when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with an honest heart as I learn about how fair your decisions are. I will obey your orders. Please don't leave me all alone. Beth, how can a young person keep their life pure by living according to your word? I trust in you with all my heart. Don't let me wander away from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Lord, I give praise to you. Teach me your orders. With my lips, I talk about all the decisions you have made. Following your covenant laws gives me joy, just as great riches give joy to others. I spend time thinking about your rules. I consider how you want me to live. I take delight in your orders. I won't fail to obey your word. Proverbs chapter 15 verses 29 through 30. The Lord is far away from those who do wrong, but he hears the prayers of those who do right. The cheerful look of a messenger brings joy to your heart, and good news gives health to your body. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today once again with hearts full of gratitude and spirits full of wonder as we 
truly explore your word. And as we read through Psalms 119 today, Lord, we are just asking that you would open our minds and our hearts to understand and appreciate the beauty and depth and the nuances of your law and what it means for us today in our cultural context, in our social context, in the context of our homes and our families. Lord, help us to delight in your word and to hide it in our hearts that We may bring it back to our remembrance when we need it most, that we may grow ever closer to you and that we may truly understand what it is to be with you and to be held close by you. Guide us, Lord, in our quest to seek you with all our souls and all our strength and to develop a genuine, intimate relationship with you where we are totally okay bringing everything to you, being totally vulnerable with you. You know our hearts anyway, Lord. Teach us to move beyond mere religiosity and tradition and customs and practices that we were raised on or we were taught to believe were the right things to do. Lord, and help us move into a place of authenticity where we get to know you for ourselves. Lord, we want to embrace a vibrant living faith that transforms us from the inside out. And Lord, as we continue this sojourn through your sacred word, may we be inspired each day to challenge ourselves to live it out in accordance with your will. Lord, and we want to become the best versions of ourselves through your grace and through your guidance. Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Lord, we just want to lean into that today. We want you to order our steps, direct our ways. Lord, we don't want to lean to our own understanding because we know that our minds are finite and limited. But Lord, you are omniscient and all-powerful. Lord, you know everything. And Lord, you see us for all that we are and all that we can be. Lord, we just ask that you continue to be patient with us as you work through us and work with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And our affirmation for today, I choose faith over fear and peace over perfection. I choose faith over fear and peace over perfection. And our aphorism, Perception of the strange is hindered by strangeness. Recognition of the familiar is prevented by familiarity. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary odyssey with me. May the peace of God's presence insulate you from all distress. In the midst of life's battles, may you find solace. As you walk through the valleys, may his hope and light be your compass. And in every moment, may his love be your guide. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.